Metal Cough. Hey, behave. Here we go, John. A podcast on a Thursday afternoon. As the Niners are on the field, NFL teams are on the field everywhere we look. Actually, NBA draft is tonight. We're doing this podcast before the doing this draft before the NBA draft. Or doing the show before the NBA draft, I should say. Well, so, I mean, uh, Woj has already tweet, tweeted out, you know, the order. So, I mean, I know. So you're, Louise. That's, that's the killer part. Like, the, part of, this is what you should say, is like, you bet because you want to win, right? You're always talking about the rules, right? The officials, you got to get it right. What about gambling? But part of betting is the entertainment, too, right? Like, if you wouldn't, if betting worked like this, where you, like, place a bet and then immediately tells you, oh, the Packers lost by 13. You did not cover. You're like, oh, well, that wasn't any fun, right? No one would play. No one would gamble. Right? Part of the betting is like the drama that it adds to whatever the thing you're watching is. Well, yeah, he just stole the first 30 minutes of the draft from you. Yeah, he, he went. I, I, I was just waiting for the anticipation of the first pick. And for $200, I was going to get my juice. I, I know a guy in Jalen Green's camp. They felt like they have a good shot. From what I've been told since the information came out, owner went over GM's head, GM, OKC guy. He drafted Russ. He drafted James Harden right there with Presty, like he was his right-hand man. So it was like he loved Jalen. They were going to swing for the fences. I was like, you know, I'll do it. And then Woj just ruins everyone's party. Also, Woj, you work for fucking ESPN. They're in the business of getting eyeballs. It just it really pissed me off, but I'm not going to let a little bet make me mad because I don't care about the money at all. But I do care about that's bullshit. Like that, like that can't. This wasn't one of those where it was a Trevor Lawrence kind of was, but there was still some drama. Woes tweeted like two days ago that it's still up in the air. Like there was some buzz building. Like if I'm ESPN's management, which is probably like Gudikins to Rogers, they're not even allowed to talk to Woes. They have to be pretty bad. I mean, this is this is not part like what the fuck. I, now I'm getting mad talking about. Well, it. I'm sorry to make you mad, but to me, it's it's this is the entertainment of it, and I say this all the time. It doesn't matter to Roger Goodell who wins the Super Bowl; it just matters that the Super Bowl gets played. And in the end, if it was the Cardinals or the Bucks, now it does do different things for the league. If Tom Brady wins, that's good for the league. But at the end, you just have to have the event. But having the event is not about determining. You know, we don't love football because we all think the most important thing is to figure out who the best football team every year is. It's not what it's about. Like, if we could fast forward to the Super Bowl in February 2022 and we would all know the answer to the question, none of us would do that. We're here for the journey. No. That's, we're here yeah. for the journey. And the gambling, part of the gambling is the journey. Why well, I've said, as, as a guy who's gambled for a long time, and I hammer this home, like, it's the one reason the NFL is, I mean, there are several reasons, but, like, is going to continue to separate is gambling, everyone hypes up. Like, gambling's going to change the world. It's going to change sports. Yeah, it's going to change the NFL. Like, I, I'm sorry, we're not gambling on baseball. We're not gambling on basketball. And then I dabble on the NBA draft, and I'm immediately turned off. Like, I'm never fucking doing that again. Because, again, I was more than likely going to be wrong. As I tweeted, it was just a hedge if something crazy got happened. And I knew a guy, and he was hyping it up. And I'm like, you know, I kind of believe. And I like Jalen Green. So I was just, it was part of, like, I think it would be cool. But like that, I'm already turned off. Like, you're not getting my money, NBA, anymore, even though my bookie got my money. But the point is, it's be, like, it turns people off fast. I, I'm cool with. But see, 
some I was crazy the, bad beat on a fucking you know uh, onside kick like that that shit happens right but, but in see a game. I was in the minority and I get I don't even fight that hard about the NFL draft picks getting tipped on the internet because I, I whatever I doesn't but it does take away from the entertainment aspect of the NFL draft right when we know up two picks in advance which whatever I don't you know I don't fight it I whatever I just but but the NFL poo poo like they stopped that this I, year they're like hey if you work for our partners yeah if you work for happens. the partners yeah yeah but I'm just saying as as a consumer of the draft I do think it's a little more entertaining when there's some build up between episodes how right? cool was Trey Lance this year just that walking Fantastic. out like god is this Fantastic. you know that, that was cool I know I thought actually a but lot when I of said that three years ago, 10. everybody thought I was like trying to stop progress. I'm like, I, I get you just when the information is available, we want to know it. So I'll okay, I'll stand aside. But this is entertainment. Yeah, you're you're also talking to someone who's rooting for Twitter to go down because it's hard for me to deactivate just what we do. But if you told me it disappears, I would celebrate it. I'm I'm I actively root for it to fail because I know I'm like an addict. I can't quit, and I kind of need it, and it just makes my life a little easier, but I easily could function and transition without it. But I won't leave it. I need it to leave all of us. So, you know, you can handle it better than me. If it just goes away, it'll be fucking awesome. See, I, I like all the camp videos I get from random beat writers over the course of but a I day. But I think there there would be something new that would pop up that would be easier. Maybe but it I'll would all become the same thing again anyway. Yeah, and then we transitioned. But at least those first couple of years, I, I I tweeted this out yesterday. I thought on Twitter, for the first time in years, Twitter has become a hellhole of negativity and misery. Yesterday was cool. It was just camp videos, camp takes. The media was just, they, they were just one track. They, they couldn't tweet about anything else. They were just tweeting about, and it was so refreshing. It was like, this is the thing, like in 12 and 13 and 14, that I fell in love with. But I, I've lost that. But that yesterday, the purity of just camp tweets, it was everybody, awesome. Everybody says that. And I, I don't know. I, uh, you can unfollow people. You, you can, can people. but you I can also like people. knowing what's can, going on. You know? I know, but I just let me know who's on pop and cool viral videos. But, but the, yeah, my, my timeline is probably just big game. Like I, to I, me, I big games is still it still delivers in big games. You know, we're just reacting to the games. That's when I get on big games. Yeah. You again, you I, I fully admit you are more disciplined and uh, a healthier user of the application <laughs> than myself. Uh here's the deal, everybody. Coming up on Sunday, we've determined three o'clock Pacific Sunday, our next week our, our following week podcast always starts. We do it on Sunday. This one will be live on YouTube Sunday at three o'clock. You can also wait for Sunday night when the podcast comes out or Monday when however you consume the podcast, you don't have to change anything. But we are going to have an announcement that we're very, very, very excited about. We're adding a third member to the band. <laughs> and uh, that, that was a good one. I've had, a few, I've had several people actually DM me trying to guess what it is that we're announcing. It's not going to change the way you consume or where you get or it's still right here. Um, but it's a... Um, what do we call it? A, a, a partnership? It's a partnership. With, I mean, if you made a short list of companies that you think yeah. like we'd want to be associated with and um, have as part of this podcast, this company would be on the very, very short list. Yeah. It, it'd be like, you know, like when you list like top five greatest quarterbacks of all time, like Brady, Montana, 
Elway, Rodgers. It'd be like in that group where you're like, you know, I give me any of them, I feel pretty good. Like we're gonna we're gonna compete for chips, right? And I feel like we got just an all time sponsor po- partner. Just fucking, we just landed in Elway, and it's like, let's roll. I mean, you know that feeling. Can you imagine that feeling? And you never truly know, but like once you get Elway in the building, you know, or, or Peyton in the building, or Brady in the building, you're like, we got something. It's on. For, and you know how GMs always say, for the next decade, you know, we're gonna compete. And it's like that's what. Just whoa. This is this is a company that is number one, John, in its field number one yeah yeah i i think uh once upon a time coward opened up a show about kevin durant joining the warriors Mm -hmm. and he had a simple line that said winners like winners and uh i think that is apropos here if that is a correct way to use that yeah word yeah that is yeah there's quite and there's there's good alignment here as we like as people in the business world like to say i I was thinking today on the on, on a little treadmill walk slash run that, you know, just, God, I love the business community in America. It's just, it, it is, it, it, it just, it's inspiring. And I can't wait. I'm fired up for this fall, man. I love, I love just the American working business class person. That's us. We got him. Yeah, that's, that's our people. That's, that's our you, people. That's listening. us. You know, uh, as football accelerates and people start maybe coming, we, we had a, the draft was fantastic for business. Great for business, really great for business, and um, but you know there's still people out there that don't listen to Haberman and Middlecoff, and we want to change that. So if you just uh, you talk to somebody about whatever sports or football or whatever you're talking to them about at bars, uh, let them know. Let them know about the pod. We appreciate when you share. Yeah, tell your friends. We're on YouTube. We're on this little app called Facebook. Uh, we're on the Twitters. We're on the Instagrams. We're everywhere. And our podcast is flown. We're full speed ahead, baby. Pedal to the metal. Let's go. Also, get in the mailbag. We'll have another mailbag coming out uh, on Saturday morning, as we've been doing. we got a bunch of mailbag questions. You can go to iTunes. Leave us a review. We're almost to 1,000 reviews on iTunes. It helps us out when you leave a review. You make it five stars. You do two things then. You put a question in the review, John, and you tell us a bar you love to hang at anywhere in the world. Very easy. Very, very easy. Or you can do, do it on the Facebook page as well, which is uh, yep. linked in the description. Our podcast loads now on the Facebook. You can just press play and it, you listen. Zuckerberg, you better be giving us a better link back and getting us credit on that one. You start stealing, you know. We're yeah, I know. We got to check. Even though it would be tough, you probably got more money if we sue you, so we'd be in trouble. But I mean, the, didn't win. the Winklevoss twins, did they, did they, that went to court or did they just settle without even going to court? I'd have to rewatch uh, the social network. Aren't the Winklevoss twins like the Bitcoiners too now? Yeah. They kind of transitioned. Yeah. They've done pretty well, They've right? done very well. <laughs> yeah. They've done very well. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. That's where you want to be if you're in the market for a bed and who isn't in the market to sleep better. Yep, guy. Who right now could use a better night's sleep? I'd imagine people listening, a lot of you. Uh, you know, I listen, sometimes you got a lot going on. It's hard to turn off your little brain. Your heart's pumping. Maybe you have caffeine a little too late. You got to stop drinking caffeine, you know, after lunch. Uh, but there is nothing like getting a sleep number.com slash ham night of sleep. You and I have been doing it for years. It's a game changer. Sleep number.com slash ham uh, is I can't recommend it enough. They have beds starting at eight ninety nine deals galore. Sleep number.com slash ham. 
Sleep IQ technology. I mean, that's one of the many secrets at Sleep Number. That's not a secret because it shows you your ideal sleep and wake schedule, the best times for activities like working out, winding down. Sleepers use their smart beds circadian rhythm feature to improve their bedtime and wake time consistency. That's part of the key, John. You go to bed at the same time, Tom Brady. You wake up at the same time. You dim the lights. You get the temperature right. You stay off of the, uh, the caffeinated supplements, and you get yourself a great night's sleep. Stay hydrated, too. I mean, I, we had three pee, pee breaks in the 10 minutes before this podcast started. Uh, it's all about the eye I can pee again right now. <laughs> uh, Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Go get yourself a bed. Yeah. Discover. Do you, you have a television in your room? No. Bedroom? No. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever do that? Or I mean, I was in bed watching an iPad last night, though, so I don't get to uh, claim superiority. Yeah. Gotcha. Got I would watching a show. Yeah, you end up just you just end up watching so much TV when they get a TV in your bedroom. I separated it for so long yeah. to read, and then I just had books next to me that I never read. Right, <laughs> with the iPad next to you, so it, it probably doesn't change much. Discover proven quality sleep at sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said, they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code ham to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the performance package 5.0 ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts Boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code ham at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code ham. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code ham50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball too. I've got some season long, more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but. I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's Download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Okay, uh, let's start with a guy that made a bunch of news on... Uh, what, Wednesday? When he spoke to the media? Tuesday? I'm losing track of my days. Wednesday. Wednesday. Jimmy G, John. Jimmy Garoppolo. And I wasn't sure. I did not watch it live, Jimmy Garoppolo's press conference. Um, I went back and watched it on YouTube. And uh, I saw some tweets about Jimmy Cust. And my first reaction when I saw that was, uh, is he trying too hard to show that he's not affected by this thing that everybody thinks he should be affected by? That assumption was incorrect. I watched it. I know you also reached the same conclusion. I watched it and thought, you know, I think he's pretty comfortable with the situation, the football situation. 
He was a little fidgety. I think answering questions, the, the, the media part of it, not his favorite thing, but he does it very well. I mean, he's fine. It's not a complaint by me, but I actually think he's pretty comfortable with the football aspect of things after watching him speak on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime you become a new Travis Matthews male model, and I think we've been talking for years, Rom, not the ideal body type, Jimmy, ideal body type for, for that cut. Uh, perfect fit for them. I, I think sometimes we overthink it, and I know I do. We all do. Just in these situations with just players, it's so different in sports than most jobs, but it happens in jobs when people come in and you can tell right away, like, that guy's going to pass you fast or you are out of, you know, uh, you know, the way a boss thinks about you. It's happened to me before in football, definitely in radio, where you're like, this isn't probably good. Like, humans are not dumb. You, you can naturally, we're all survivors, feel out of situation. In football and pro sports, it's pretty fucking obvious when you trade three first-round picks, you know, for a player, and then he sits next to you every day. This guy, once upon a time, little different situation, though, but still, like, pretty highest-drafted quarterback at the time until Mac Jones for Bill Belichick ever. He sat next to Tom Brady every day for three and a half years. He was coached in the most contentious might be the wrong word, but just intense, I would say, building over that period of time, definitely of like the last couple decades in the National Football League, right, with Belichick and Tom. Like, that is an intense environment. That's where he learned. That's where he got like his base of football knowledge in the league. Can I give you so, a, can I interject there? Because I think you're making a great point. And I, I told you this the other day when I was driving back from the airport, but I talked to somebody at Pac-12 Media Day, like there's a bunch of coaches, just a lot of people who know people. And I was like, what's the deal? They love, I was talking to somebody who loves Ayuk. And I was like, what do you think of Nikhil? And they said, you know, the second Nikhil went to New England, they thought that was not a great fit, given just everything you just described, how much was going to be put on him, how quickly it was going to be put on him. And it clearly, it, I don't know, you know, he got hurt. He had some injuries that slowed him down too, but maybe all of that stuff that comes with being in New England slowed him down a little bit as well. So that's a very real thing that players deal with. Well, it's a double whammy, right? Intellectually, it's known offensively as the hardest place in the league. Offensively, what you have, it, it's wiped out a bunch of players. Chad Johnson just couldn't learn the playbook. Uh, and then physically, if you and I talked before about the Julian Edelman, what he told Chris Long about, like, we used to scrimmage. Like, people thought, like, bye week, Patriots just going to Cancun. Like, no, they were a uh, full team scrimmage to the ground in pads. From like 12, 13, 14, 15. Because guess what? They were the number one or two seed for like eight straight years. They had a full-on game outside in the cold. That's what that that's where Jimmy learned football. Now, things got a little weird, right, over the last couple years with his injury. I just he just became a very easily one of the more polarizing players in the league. Right? And anytime you're a star, you're I guess if you play bad, you get criticized harsh. I actually think once you get paid and you're in like that the tier that he's in, kind of middle of the road, those are the guys that take the most arrows, truly, right? Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. Because the majority of people are saying he might not be that good. Right. Like, I, once you become a star, like Jamal Adams gets lit up in pass coverage. It's like, well, he just struggles in pass But it's not like everyone knows he's a good player or Jalen Ramsey screws up. When you're that in that 10 to 20 range of quarterbacks, I think they take the most arrows. Because when they're good, it's like, oh, well, fuck, every you know squirrel finds a nut. But when he's shitty 
or just when he struggles a little bit. We've seen it. You and I have been talking about Carr for eight years. He's a great example. I think Kirk Cousins. So it's just, I think he's kind of numb to it all. So I, to me, he's if he plays bad or he plays good, like it's going to be based on his physical ability, the team, the coaching. Mentally, he just, I, that's the least of my worries with him, like especially handling the situation. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I think sometimes we're reminded of what he was in the middle of in New England. But I also think we got to think about what he's in the middle of now, I, right? Which is also a very demanding environment for a quarterback. And the 49ers got an opportunity to work with him and then decided to pay him. They didn't pay him before he showed up. So Kyle Shanahan gave stamp of approval on Jimmy Garoppolo. Does that mean he's the, my, his ideal quarterback? No, obviously not. They just drafted a quarterback third. But I, I just think it's, an, it's evidence of, you know, he's handling these situations in the way that, you know, sometimes I like to say this stuff is the price of admission. Like if you're going to have a chance to be a really good quarterback, these are the types of things you deal with. But not everybody handled, Not everybody can handle the price of admission. And I think we spend so much time talking about Trey Lance and watching Trey Lance highlights and what's it going to be when Trey Lance connects with Ayuk. And, yeah, but what if Trey Lance doesn't get into a competition with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo is the 49ers starter week one, which is the most likely outcome, right? Yes. What then? Are they good enough to compete for a Super Bowl then? Well, unless Jimmy gets hurt, he's starting week one, right? Yeah, so like... The, how this guy handles this situation is critically important to how many games the 49ers win this year. For sure. And uh, I thought, you know, Mayoko asked him a question about the Niners, uh, the way Mayoko prefaced it. I think it was Matt said, you know, they, they were interested in Deshaun. They were interested in Stafford. Is there anything you need to hear from the coaches? What do you want to hear from the coaches in terms of their support of you? And his answer, he didn't, his answer was perfect because, A, it's like it's a catch-22. You don't want a player to say, like, oh, what I really want to hear from the coaches is they love me. His answer was just like, I, I don't really think about that. I And then he spun it into actually a compliment for the 49ers coaching staff. He's like, I've been here. These coaches put you in a position to succeed. I've been in New England. They put you in a position to succeed. I'm pretty lucky because most places around the league are not like that. This is uncommon. And I think that is the healthiest way for him to recognize. I think you and I talked about this when they traded, when they traded up and then got Trey Lance, which is it's still there still is an opportunity here for Jimmy Garoppolo. He might not be the 49ers quarterback in 2022 or 2023, but he still is the quarterback for Kyle Shanahan today on a pretty talented team, which is a pretty good position to be in. And there's a lot worse situations to be in in the NFL. And so if he wants a shot to get another contract and be somebody else's quarterback, how many other places would you pick than right here if you're him? No, he's in, he's in a pretty good spot. He knows that. They know it. I mean, it's it's about as smooth of a transition opportunity as you're going to get. Now, it can go the other way. If he's shitty, like there's no guarantee that he's going to play well, right? He could throw picks. He yeah. could struggle. But his odds are better here than in name yeah. most other places. For sure. I also think he, at the end of the day at that position you're given just opportunity. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is a good example. Like he's, he's in a pretty good spot. Josh Johnson just got signed by the jets yesterday or the day, or maybe they, maybe they brought him in just in case they were going to have to Zach Wilson hold out. Yeah. But, but I mean, Jimmy's in a completely different world than guys like, well, exactly. And I'm saying he's how many chances is he's just been around. Yeah. But to me, Jimmy, good or bad, bad, he's going to have a Ryan Tannehill type, like someone just bring him in as a backup and then just who knows if he's good, someone will trade for him as a starter. So it's like 
he had he can his bets hedged where it can go shitty and he's still going to get a job. If it goes well, he can go start somewhere. Yeah, because that's let's face it, this is his last. Like he will not. This is there's no Aaron Rodgers. Like you know, we'll just see how long this can go. Like it's over after this year, no matter what, unless something catastrophic happens to Trey's physical abilities. Right, he gets injured, but Trey Lance is one hundred percent the starter in 2022. I think the only question is how much does he play in 2021? Yeah. And it's in the Niners' best interest for Jimmy Garoppolo to have a really good year this year for multiple reasons. For sure. Winning and trading. So, um, okay, what about this? We go to the we always love you and I love. We make a thing of it. I mean, if if you had a ham calendar, like the big moments over the course of the year, the league meeting coaches photo, the league meeting. We need to get that back. I know. With Andy in a Hawaiian shirt. The league meeting GM photo, which is always like, which one's Kevin Colbert? Um, and also on that list, the Mike Sando tears article in the athletic, which we got, uh, a few days ago, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but we'll get to Russell in a second. Matthew Stafford comes in at number seven. And I think when you look at this list, he's ranked there based on the strength of what he did as a member of the Detroit lions. So there's the real possibility that even though he's ranked T seven this year in Sando's article, that when the thing comes out next year, he'll be in the top five. Really quick, the key to this article, unlike because there's a million articles that are listed, and this is you know now become this used to be ESPN, now it's part of a paywall. So I, maybe some people listening, probably a lot of people don't even have access. This is not a media member listing. This is all based on coaches, head coaches, coordinators, and pers- and GMs. Right? They create the list. They vote on the list, and then he ranks it. These are NFL people. This is a, what the media thinks is irrelevant. This is not anyone that is not coaching or picking players, right? That, that to me, is why I think this list, like you said, it is so important. Because a lot of people, fucking everyone, makes a goddamn list. <laughs> but this, to me, list represents the league's thoughts, which right. is really what matters, right? Yep. Because we're constantly guessing what the league thinks. You know. Like in, in, it's in the beauty of the list. This, yeah, and it's quoted by coaches and, and GMs. Well, what I think is that next year they might say this guy's top five. Based on the other quarterbacks around him and based on where he is. And if he's a top five quarterback, then that changes the NFC West. That changes the NFC. That changes the league. It just changes everything. Hell, if he's the seventh best quarterback, if he plays like the seventh best quarterback in the NFL this year, that changes everything. Yeah, I mean, based on last year, Goff wasn't a top 20 guy. So if they get the seventh best guy, just that, you know, pendulum swing is massive. But to me, the key thing was, look where they group him. Right, he's T seven right there with Lamar Jackson. Now they are completely different players, but if you just look at it in a vacuum of, can this guy have a Lamar Jackson type impact? Because if he does, the Rams are a powerhouse team. I mean, that's just plain simple. Period. Point blank. End of story. If he is going to have an impact like the other names, Josh Allen, who's right above those two, right? Well, what did he just do last year? Fucking took his team to the AFC Championship game and was, I mean. I'd say like 80% of a season when I watched felt like, is this guy an MVP? I know. <laughs> right? So I, I, if this guy is going to play like that, and we don't know. I Honestly, I think it's one of the best stories in the NFL. What is Matt Stafford truly going to look like when there's pressure on every game that he's playing in? And it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch. Luckily, I mean, we get to like a really close view being that this is the division we talk about the most. Obviously, the Niners play him a couple times. They play on national television a lot. But as it said in there, there are also some question marks, right? He is known as a quote-unquote gunslinger. 
And historically, his downfall have been throwing the... He's like a poor man's Favre. He gets himself into trouble because he thinks he can make every throw because he can, and then he throws some picks. Now, I think the people that have defended him, and rightfully so, is like he plays for the Lions. So I, no one really knows. But the one thing that we know, that anyone listening knows, that this McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur offense, if you buy in, CC Aaron Rodgers, CC Jared Goff a couple years ago when he was playing well, obviously Jimmy, Matt Ryan, like it is quarterback friendly. Now, they mentioned it in the article, like, is he going to, can he balance that? Because if he can, watch the fuck out. If he can't, then I do think they're, they would be more of a just a normal good team. And you just, you don't know because the offense is uncomfortable for some people, right? Remember Aaron and, and Matt Ryan, like turning my back to the defense is a little weird, especially like Aaron forever. They were more spread and he could just sling it around, and they've kind of blended the two together. And once he relented and was like, you know, I'll run some of your plays, LaFleur, it was like, holy moly, <laughs> this is offense is unstoppable because he can make the throws that are just stupid. Yeah. That's what, if he, I know he's going to attempt to buy in, but 11 years in, whatever you do, I mean, he's made $200 million. So when you've made that much money, meaning if you make that much money, you just, you ha- you look at yourself as a good player, as he should, is he just open-minded to everything or is he stuck in his ways? And that's, I mean, hell, that's probably what they're doing right now. Working through all this shit at practice as we speak, right? What are you comfortable with? Well, can you do this? Well, can we work on this? Honestly, I saw him talking yesterday. They asked him a question like, what's it been like? He's like, I'm just trying to get acclimated to everything. Yeah. Which perhaps probably a lot going on, which might be good for slowing him down a little bit, right? Could be good for slowing him down a little bit. What, In terms of just making you, it so that he doesn't try to do too much too soon. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's fair to say like the first month could be a work in progress. If it does click with him, I think most people would agree just his talent in the league, it could be pretty scary yeah. in the offense. Yeah. yeah. But I, it's not a guarantee that it's going to click. One, No, it's not. But I, aren't you just betting the odds are very good that it clicks, right? Yes. Based on his coach, based on his skill set, based on what he was able to do. This is why you and I were talking about him the other day. Like the idea that I was surprised when we looked it up the other day and he'd had two 30 touchdown seasons in his career, right? Two. Like he's going over 30 this year. And the one thing, and I saw one of the quotes about him um, was, you know, that I don't sleep eat, just him and McVeigh, I don't. Love having him in my division. It was like an NFC West person, right? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's yeah. That's the simplest way to put it. When you've got him coming up, how you do not sleep easy. You just don't. No, I mean it's just they have weapons. To me, his physical ability, and this gets back to what you know this show has been talking about, Jared Goff. And he's very Kirk Cousins like has no ability to play outside the offense. So if the play is not there, he's stuck. Like that is the problem for a bad athlete in just offenses in general. It's why Peyton and Tom, it's really so incredible what they're able to do. They master their offense. They just don't find themselves in tight spots because they know they cannot run away where Cousins and Goff just aren't quite good. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to, like, get deep, nerdy into quarterback and really find out, like, what separates those guys. I mean, it's probably, like, small, little, intellectual brain things that are, like... I mean, it's why the position's really hard, and you get paid so much money. 
but Jared couldn't move. This guy at least can move. Like one thing I've always noticed when I watch Matt, he can keep plays alive with his leg. He's not a runner, but he's definitely not immobile, right? right? He's not a Rivers, a Manning. So to me, that adds a little element to his game. A little, remember two years ago, Jimmy, Jimmy is not a runner, but Jimmy can keep plays alive with his legs. That does really help you out in an offense where, like if you watch the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is rolling. When you watch them play bad, they did against the night. I went to the playoff game. It just feels like he's a sitting duck, right? Because it's like he's not getting the ball quite out fast enough. He thinks he's probably a little better than he is. Where that to me adds an element where Jared Goff, I bet if we just did athletic testing, I mean, Jared's probably a worse athlete than Cousins. And, you know, he's just not a good athlete. Yeah, I mean, maybe. it's weird to say, like, relative to NFL standards, you know, like relative to me and Guy. Yeah. But, <laughs> right? Yes. He's just very, very slow footed, you know? I think the thing that makes Stafford a little dangerous, right, even though he's not, it's all a sliding scale. So, okay, you can make some plays. How strong is your arm when you're on the move? Like, well, what, that's another What can thing. you actually but, do with getting away? Wouldn't that be like the knock on Jimmy, the Jimmy scrambles? Like, Jimmy can scramble, and he can kind of freelance, but sometimes the ball, he just, you know, if he's a pitcher, he's throwing 92, where Stafford's throwing 98. So, like, that thing, and that's where Josh Allen and Mahomes thrive, right? It's like, oh, my God. It's where Favre always thrived. And now Stafford and Favre, and like Mahomes and Allen, it's like you don't want to do that. But they, but the you don't want to do that, I mean, half the time they hit it. Right. Right? Right. So you actually kind of live with it every once in a while. To, to me, the key, though, is in the fourth quarter, Matt's just bad habits. Bad habits is probably even the wrong word. Just some of his experiences. Like, we don't need you to play hero ball. And that's something like I think with Mahomes, with Mc, with uh, McDermott, obviously Andy, or excuse me, Allen with McDermott and Mahomes with Andy, like they get to they get to learn through it all, right, and grow as a player. Where Stafford already grew, like his his play happened, like he had multiple contract extensions. So it, it it's always a fascinating part about adding a free agent, where sometimes you can kind of just remold a guy or just get a guy to fully, you know, Rich Gannon and John Gruden, remember that was like a historic late ad, wins an MVP in his late, mid-30s. But now, he, it, different past there. Like, Rich hadn't had the success Matt had had as like a long time started. He kind of bounced around. But my point is, you get the guy, you don't usually see like, you know, we, we found this quarterback at 33 and he went on to have the best six years of his career. This, this would be a unique career arc in the history of the league. If it goes as well as I think some people probably think it's going to go, I'm betting on it. I'm betting on him, and McVay. I mean, it's more a McVay bet than anything. But it's yeah. I mean, if he's like a Pro Bowler three of the next four years, how are they not like a powerhouse team? You know, it's just a matter of how much do they lose around. They already got. They did lose some this year. I don't. I don't even mean like going to Super Bowls and stuff. But I just say Pro Bowler three of the next four years. You'd be like, well, they're in the playoffs every year, right? I mean, they had shots when he was on the Lions. Playing like because that's all you—that's all you need—is just to get in the dance, and then you take your chances. Which, like most teams, once you get a past the rookie quarterback, have a really expensive quarterback now. Yeah, which right? and right, and they had an expensive quarterback that they kind of was hurt, but they kind of benched him for John Wolford last year, and they still went on the road against the Seahawks, and they kept making the playoffs with that guy making a lot of money. Really is. I mean, I'm not gonna McVay's not underrated. He's not, but. I feel like he I, he peaked, and then it felt like he's maybe a little underrated. Right yeah, now. okay, maybe he is. I just feel like we're going to look back in ten years, and he, he what he is then will be bigger than what he is now. And now he got all this attention so quickly. 
but delivered. He just keeps delivering. You could argue after making the Super Bowl with Todd falling off a cliff and Jared falling off a cliff to get to win 19 games the next two years and it with a playoff victory on the road like that's and, and he would go it hasn't been that great. That's pretty impressive. I would argue. Yeah, we would both argue that. Maybe he is. I'm a, a fan. I think he's a stud. <laughs> no debate here. Uh, John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about Upstart. Upstart.com slash ham. Upstart can lower your monthly payments today. If you're carrying credit card balance month to month, it probably feels like a gorilla on your back. So whether you're paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, Upstart.com slash ham. Guy, we've all been uh, scared to open our bank account. Oh my God, how much credit card debt do I have? Or, or, Or... just need a personal loan. Like I don't have the cash to do something I want to do. My car breaks down. I it's I need to get a new car. I want to. I own a house. A little bit of fixer upper. I want to build a new bathroom. And it's like you know I don't have the cash to do that. That's where Upstart personal loans. You ever heard of them? Our friends at Upstart have, and they base everything based off your income, your credit history. You give them all your information. It is completely free, and then they tell you the rate, and up to fifty thousand dollars, guy. So if you can get a, you see what the rate is to borrow $50,000, it might pencil. You might be like, damn, this is, this is a good deal. And it is a good deal because a lot of people have used it. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments. When you go to upstart.com slash ham, that's upstart.com slash ham. Don't forget to use the URL to let them know that, uh, that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based off your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash ham. Upstart.com slash ham. And speaking of saving money... Gabby.com slash ham. Oh. G-A-B-I. That's how you spell Gabby. And it's very simple. Get a better insurance. G-A-B-I. Gabby.com slash ham. We've both done it. When it comes to car and home insurance or renter's insurance, you deserve better. So put your policy to the test and turn to Gabby. G-A-B-I.com slash ham. It's really easy to use. Uh, keep going, guy. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, it is easy to use. Remember, you went on it. I went on it. You put in your information, and they give you quotes for the exact same coverage that you already have. So there's no – it's apples to apples. And it's apples to apples with progressive, nationwide, travelers, 40 of the top insurance providers. And then it tells you maybe here's the best price, or it might tell you what you have right now is the best insurance coverage. How much? Carry us home. How much a year? $961 per year, oh. Gabby customers save on average. And they'll never sell your information. So no annoying spam or robocalls. That's a big deal. I'm getting a robocall right now as we do this podcast. Put Gabby.com slash But it's not because Gabby. Put your policy to the test like we did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. Totally free to check. No obligation. Gabby.com slash ham. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash ham. That's Gabby.com slash ham. All right. Uh, next up. From the Sando QB ranks per NFL personnel. This one was interesting. Russell Wilson in at four. Russ, Russ, Russ in at four. And how about this quote, John? From a offensive coach about Russell Wilson. When we played him last year, I almost saw I felt like a semi-drop-off in his game. I felt like he looked older, a little bit slower, and their offense did not help schematically. Watch him in their last game of the year. They had to win, and he was not good. He wasn't getting away from it fast, and he was missing throws. So a lot of criticism for the number four-ranked quarterback on this list. We did struggle at the end of the season, 
it did not. It looked like he was a lock to win the MVP halfway through. And then he kind of, really the last month, felt like he fell off a cliff, and he was not good in the playoff game. Now, they fired a bunch of people, right? They fired their offensive coordinator. They fired, I think, their offensive line coach. Uh, they, they made changes. So it's like they admitted it. It's why I you can never judge anyone in the NFL off anything they say because it's useless, right? You just judge people off their actions. You can say, I love a coordinator. If you fire him, like, it tells you everything you need to know. You can say, hey, Trey Lance is a lock number two quarterback, and then all of a sudden he's running with the ones. Like, well, no, that's just – you can say whatever you want. And I think clearly they had issues, him and Schottenheimer at the end. Even though it was weird, like, it always felt – even with Bevel, like things are going well, they're having success. But I think part of it, when you set the bar so high, so their high. success is it's it's probably unfair. Because really, who are they comparing themselves to? Rodgers and Brady. Well, yeah. Which you know, that's who Russ is should. comparing himself to. Yeah. So I think they add the new offensive coordinator. I I understand the quote of like he looked old because. He is viewed as a running quarterback, which is not really fair because he actually doesn't run that much, but he does run a lot behind the line of scrimmage. He feels like a very mobile quarterback. Maybe running's the wrong word because now running is like Lamar Jackson's a true running quarterback. Russell's probably the ideal mobile quarterback. He doesn't look fast like when he moves. Do you agree with that? Like, even though he can gain yards, like have a 10 yard run and slide, he does not look like he's running like a. Four, like he's like a four eight guy. Now, part of it is I don't. He just kind of picks his spots, but I I would agree. Like his athleticism, and part of it might just be they built up so much strength to handle the rigors of getting hit. He, he is not a threat to just take off like he maybe once was. You know, a thirty forty yard run. He can still gain yards and run out of bounds. But I would say his arm looks as good as it's ever looked. Right? Maybe their offense wasn't clicking, which is not. All his fault, and some of it is. Like, anytime you're a quote-unquote mobile quarterback, I think offensive line will tell you it's not easy to block for him. Yeah. Like, I know where Tom or some of these guys are going to be. I think Mahomes sometimes, like, Patrick, you can't just do a 360 and head left when your offensive lineman thinks you're rolling right. And that's part of being, like, an artist, right? Which Russ is, uh, for me, in in my life of really watching football hard the last two decades, I think he's one of the most artistic athletes I've ever seen. Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite athletes ever to watch. But if you're playing, right? yeah. But the challenge, right, is he's been sacked 51, 48, 47 times. He's playing jazz music. It's beautiful, but you know, it hasn't translated to their the games that matter for them. Well, it right? has. Well, that's it's a dangerous way to play. If not everyone else, if you if no one else knows what music you're about to play, right? That's a tough thing. Um, and the, the wide receivers do, they go deep. And well, yeah, they just him. run and he throws <laughs> yeah. it to them. And it's, we're talking about a guy who threw 40 touchdowns, 13 picks last year was on pace early. Like that's part of it was, it, it was a tale of two seasons with them. But I mean, they've been 10 wins, 11 wins, 12 wins the last three years. I, to me, they have not felt like a Super Bowl contender in any of those years. Last year, I did not, no. you know, by the time we got near the playoffs, they did not feel like a championship contender and they weren't. I agree. And they, they didn't weren't. feel like a tw- they didn't feel like a tw- we talked about this earlier this week. They felt more like a 10 and 16 than a 12 and 14. But here's right? the thing. If you're the Niners, your concern when the season starts is not can the Seahawks win the Super Bowl. You just got to beat them. You just how do we beat them? Yeah. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Like, okay, Russ, he can't win 14 games. Yeah. I got I'm going to play him twice. And how do I beat him? Cuz he's Terrifying, because his well, bad year he won twelve games, John. So 
Well, he's played some of his best games by far against the Niners. Uh, he's like what Max Muncie does to the Giants. That's what Russell's been doing for like a decade, right? I, I would say in his career against the Niners, he might have had one bad game. And that was a couple years ago, the year they got Bosa. Remember, I wanted him to tank, and they won that meaningless game. But for the most part, he is fucking lights out. And he's comfortable against them. He is very, very comfortable against them, right? For the, the opposite of what Jared Goff was against the Niners, yeah. he feels confident, right? Yep. And it just has to be just you play a team this many times. And, I mean, they've had the same. It could be something, especially with the last four years. He sees the defense that he sees in practice, right, his entire career. Like they, the Seattle defense is the defense that he's grown up playing against. Now, <clears throat> things change and quirks and, you know, different players do different things, even in the same scheme. But still, man, I, I, I don't, to me, when he plays bad, I don't, you know, he's just, he's falling off or sometimes you just play shitty. It, it is a very, I think sometimes we nitpick that position a little much. Like you can be a great pitcher and give up three home runs in a game, right? You can be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady and have a game where you throw a couple picks. You can play poorly. And I think you're more likely to play really poorly when you do things outside the offense. Right? Like Tom's, unless he throws like two pick sixes, he's not going to do things that like take crazy ass sacks. There's elements of what Rusk can just bring from a negative standpoint that is just different than a lot of the true great pocket quarterbacks. Even though I view Russell as a throwing quarterback, not like when his story's written, it'll not be anything with his leg. Like he kept plays alive with his legs, but he was like this. Would you say like Just Steve throw. Young kind of this generation? Yeah. Like yeah. he kicks your ass with his arm. Yeah, but his legs serve is, serve his arm. The question is, is that it hasn't translated since he's turned into this badass thrower, right? The second half of his career to a lot of playoff wins. Like, they well, used to be pretty consistently, like, they're probably going to be an NFC championship team or compete those years with the defense. They've really, I mean, last year they hosted a playoff game and lost. It has coincided right? with their defense being less badass. Well, that's part of paying a quarterback Absolutely. $35, $40 million. You know, uh, they, they've missed on pit. They've, you know, they, and part of this they is don't winning, draft right? They, they, they pick at 25. It's well, hard to And get then they the pick at 38. Yeah. <laughs> um. But that's th- why they probably said, fuck it, and just, we'll just trade a couple firsts for Jamal, yeah. right? Get us something we know works. This part of the NFC West, again, I think from a schedule standpoint, there are reasons that the Niners have an opportunity to get off to a fast start. Why they would really, obviously, everyone would benefit from a fast start, but you've got now three of the four teams in the division basically running the same offense. For two of them, they've got a quarterback who hasn't been in that offense before running it, right? So the Rams, the Niners, the Seahawks running the same thing. But the Seahawks quarterback has not run it before. And the Rams quarterback has not run it before. So, you know, you could go to reason that they'll be better offensively as the year goes on than they will be week one. Obviously, the Cardinals run an offense returning quarterback. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if we look back on the early part of the season and say, ah, the Rams didn't quite have it yet. The Seahawks didn't quite have it yet. But Russ... Stafford, as the season went on, they got better, and there was a window early in the year, maybe, to not build a lead, but just take advantage of that. I want. Are all these teams going to look the same? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, they're going to run. Do the Packers look like the Niners? I would say at times. I mean, well, Aaron looks way sweeter than Jimmy, but yeah, yeah I mean, they run the same. Like the boot, 
I mean, Jared Goff has been running the same shit Kyle's been running forever. It just doesn't always work. Same right. with not Kyle when he gets Nick Mullins or whatever. Like the the core plays are the core plays. Yep. The stretch running plays to the stretch fake the running play boot back. Like there are just some built in easy ass plays, right? That are just I would say the core pieces of the playbook that they're all going to run. You're right. And then you throw in wrinkles. What part of it? Any good coach worth their fucking salt. If you have a two two Atwell. You're going to run plays for him that you would run different for Debo Samuel. Like those teams don't all, I guess the Rams, they run some like, uh, you know, that like uh, fly sweep they hand to Debo. They do it. So I've seen them do it with uh, Robert Woods, mm. but the, like Robert and Debo are little different players, but they, they both incorporate that because then that also goes to like the fake jet sweep to the play action to the bomb. You know, it's just, they all kind of build off each other. Yeah. But like only one team has, Use check while the Rams have a couple more like mobile tight ends while Seattle, I don't even know, you know, I mean, they got random tight ends that they kind of shuffle through. No, they, they know, you know, they have DK where the Niners and the Rams have more just like true, just two normal wide receivers. Right. So you just, there are elements of your offense that just like Devonte is way different than DK Metcalf. So you're going to run different routes for him. Yeah. Even the play, even though the play, you know, design might look the same. You just might ask one guy to run an out route. The other guy runs a post route, which you should, right? You shouldn't ask DK to like, I'm sending DK deep where I'm saying Devonte like run a slant, break a tackle, get me 20. Right. Yeah. And you still have to have a good play caller organizing the whole thing. Right. But I, yeah, I think Kyle in this way is kind of Billy Bean in a way where all of a sudden 20 years later, at first it's like, Oh yeah, the A's and Rays like the same players. And then it's well the A's and the Rays and the Red Sox like the same players. I, I, wouldn't you wouldn't you call Mike Billy Bean? Yeah, or and Mike's all these Billy guys Bean. Are like Friedman and Farhan. Yeah, I whoever you want to make it Mike, you want to make it Kyle. The point is just it's one thing when a couple teams trying to find an advantage, but now it's half the now it's the wait the Dodgers and the Rays like the same players. But Uh-oh. didn't this happen to Seattle's defense with all these guys sure. that went all around? Yeah. Right, but the di- uh, yeah, yeah, but I do think that I mean, guy does- Billy McKinney's been on seven teams. They're all well, against Billy McKinney. He's the, I was thinking of him, right? Because again, all the same guys like him. Um, did you know Stephen Vogt was on the he, Atlanta Braves? The Braves, yeah, I did know that. When did that happen? A couple days ago. I like that move. I do too. I'm excited for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I, it's but at the end of the day, the Seahawks' defense was also built on superstar defensive players, right? This offense, the beauty of it is, I think offensively, you have the football. You get to control a little more than any defensive con- coordinator gets to control. But at the, I, I agree. But at the end of the day, like I saw, on Jonathan Abram must have talked after practice today. And they're like, what's it like playing box safety? Well, what's box safety in the defense? Ultimately, it all goes back to everyone's looking for Cam Chancellor. Yeah. And, and Abram actually has some similarities, but it's hard to find Cam Chancellor. Like, we all want tall, long corners. Well, how many Richard Shermans in their prime have there ever been in the league? So, like, yeah, we're all looking. And even Pete is a good example of, and I've heard him talk about this, I think leading up to the draft, like a draft press conference, like, ultimately, we've had to be open-minded about if a corner's really good and he's 5'10", I can't just be dead set on he has to be 6'1". Because I remember when Chip was hired and my little five-month stint working in the personnel department, when he instituted the guys he was looking for, only wanted Buckner and Armstead. And I remember, like, the, the college scouting director was like, honestly, Chip, 
there are only three guys in this draft that fit that. And it was before those guys even came out. But like they were like freshmen and sophomore. Like their entire defensive line were guys like six six and above. Right. It's like honestly, most of the good defensive linemen are in this draft are between six two and six four. So you you know, you can pigeonhole yourself, but it's if if the guy gets picked by another team, you like you don't even have anyone to pick. So you just I this is back to what we talked about with the offense all looking the same. Naturally, you would just adapt a little bit, right? Like it's you grow up, you love John Miller, you want to call games like John Miller or Bob Costas or fucking whoever. Well, eventually you just kind of turn into your you you copy some tenets of them, but you also add who you really are. Like Sean McVay probably idolized some of the things Shanahan did, but also probably thought, like, you know, I'd like to do this as well. Or LaFleur or all these guys, and you kind of become your own man. Dan Quinn, Gus Bradley, I mean, those guys are everywhere. Oh, look Look at this on, on uh, the YouTube chat from Mr. Superfly. It says, uh, Sherman and Cam are also fifth-rounders. You can't predict fifth-rounders turning into superstars either. Right? It was a huge element. I mean, it's hard to say luck because they ultimately picked the guy, but you're right. Like, Also, I remember when they got Cliff Averill on like a one-year deal. They got Michael Bennett, who anyone could have had. Like, the way their defense came together... If you remember, Earl Thomas was really the only top 15 pick. The rest of them were like, were kind of built on, you know, even Bobby Wagner, he was a second round pick. I remember I picked him up at the airport. I remember telling Howie, he's like, you know, he's got this Ninja Turtle backpack. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. I, I don't know. And it's like, God, we regret not taking him. Bruce Irvin was a first he, rounder, but he was, you know. I would say, what would you say? Like on the hierarchy of their starting 11? Of all like the guys at we At one named. point in time, it felt like he was like seven or eight. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. And honestly, when they were really humming, he might have been like nine or ten. It just shows you how good they were. Like, would you put him ahead against Cam, Mm-mm. Earl, Mm-mm. Richard, Averill, Michael Bennett, Mm-mm. Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright? Like he honestly, KJ Wright's like sneaky older than I realized. But think how long he's been good. He was in the eleven game. draft. Is he employed right now? Uh, it's a good I question. I don't think he signed with anybody. Let me click on his name here and tell you. Um, does not appear that he's on a team right now. The good thing for him is playing for Seattle for a decade. He knows seven defensive coordinators currently right now. So he's one injury away from probably well, getting $5 million. That's where, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> that's where just being a backup for one of these guys is going to just be incredible over the course of a few years. Right. Well, well there, there's no better feeling than being on a powerhouse team and being like a Malcolm Smith, being the fourth linebacker. One of your guys gets a defensive coordinator, and you look at your agent, you're like, cha-ching, baby. Do we want 20 guaranteed, or we're going to shoot for 24? <laughs> right? You've never you've started like two games in your career, and all of a sudden it's like, break the bank. You, but you have to do it. It's, it's well, that, the that's second, where in, in, in football there's an element of luck. Like, do you get drafted by a sweet team, or you get drafted by a shitty team, where you got to start right away, and then maybe you're out of the league in five years. Instead, you have a 10-year career when really you were never a starter. Well, like, John, if... if Carson Wentz, for some reason, like Carson had his mask on the other day at his press conference. If Carson tests positive for COVID, has to miss week one, whose who's phone is ringing immediately? Philip? Oh, yeah, oh, Philip, that's one. I was going to say Ryan Pace's phone is ringing because we already know that Frank Reich tried to sign the Bears' third-string quarterback uh, a couple uh, of years ago, Nick Foles, oh, who's making a ton yeah, of money. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, 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 you could acquire, yeah, you could, Nick will be like, yeah, we'll just restructure, you know, you guys will move some money back, you guys add another year, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Foles just got $8 million to get traded to the Colts? Nick, Nick uh, and all for it, but he's made a lot of money after that Super Bowl. No doubt, man. Do you see what the Eagles did with, uh, 
you know, since they won the Super Bowl, they had an enormous, like you go to Levi's, anyone that's been to Levi's know there's always like a pull down banners that are massive. A couple of them with like two or three players. Mm-hmm. They've had a pull down banner and it was simply Doug holding the Lombardi. Yeah. Well, obviously Doug Peterson is not their coach anymore. So what they did is they took it all the way up to get Doug's body out of it. And all you see is his hand holding the Lombardi. And, and I saw someone on Twitter like a week ago was like, I wonder uh, what they did here. You know, I was like, so they didn't even Photoshop it. They just rolled the banner up. I, that's what I saw. Or maybe they put a new photo where it's just his, just hand. his hands. It used yeah. to be him holding it up of like course. the famous. It's always the best picture when the contetti's rolling and yep. either the quarterback or the coach is holding the trophy. And uh, and yeah, you know, you you want to show everyone that you won that Lombardi, but you gotta you know, smudge Doug. It's always, I, I remember like I haven't felt this for a long time, but that first year when you get away, I, and I can't imagine Doug who was like the head coach. You can say that like you know I've moved on. It's it's weird. You're watching your player. You're watching a coach talk about the guys that you helped influence there. And it's like, especially, I mean, saying we, 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 like Nick Sirianni's banging the table talking about, what was he talking about? (laughs) Well, they said, uh, one of the questions I watched in the press conference was like, how many games, like, what's a good season for you? Do you have a number? And he's like, I mean, I actually think he's come a long way. He was like a little Tom Suley is much better. He said, no, I don't have a number. You know, it's not the way we do things. And he's like, he gave an example of like, you know, I've been on teams that started four and one and we've missed the playoffs. And I've been on teams that one and three that made the playoffs. And how he's like, weren't you on like the one and five Colts team that made the playoffs with Frank his first year? He's like, oh yeah, we went nine and 10. And he starts giving the story. He's like, you know, we're one and five, you know, we're supposed to be Josh McDaniels. They won nine of 10 to to make the playoffs. And he's like, you know, we're one and five. Everyone thinks they're going to get fired and everything. We're all looking at Frank. And Frank just like pounded the table, doubled down on just keep doing what we're doing. And his point was, which I think he's right and it sounds cliche, is people freak out the moment things go kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. In football, I think stock market moment starts dipping, everyone starts selling. People just naturally freak out in, when times get a little weird in any facet of life. But football is no different. And everyone looks at either the quarterback or the coach. And most, I think what separates good coaches and quarterbacks and bad ones and probably iffy ones, if they freak out too, it's over. Even if inside you're human, like you're one in five, you can't be feeling good, right? You do have to put on a good front. Right. Right? And I and I think you it's, either no your pers- it's either your personality or not. It's also experience. Like, there's no way to put on a good front if you have zero experience. You just naturally freak. It's it's easy for like an Andy or a Belichick to be like, everyone, calm down, right? <laughs> it is harder. Like, if Nick Sirianni were to start, let's just say hypothetically, start zero and five, it would be hard to just not to just stay the course. Yeah, we saw absolutely. it with Tom Sula. It just snowballs, and you start freaking, and it's just it can just take on a life of its own. Like, in fairness to Chip, his year with the Niners, which was I mean, I think statistically the worst season ever. He did handle himself pretty normally throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Now it helps. He's super rich and like he was going to, you know. That's also, but I think, never, partly just his persona, his personality, right? Yeah. You're right. He doesn't freak out. Ste- steady in that way. By the way, John, as we're recording this on Thursday, Max Scherzer just got traded reportedly to the Padres. Wow. I was watching them the other night. I think you and I have talked about this. That I can't deny. I think their their all brown uniforms are ugly. 
and I've taken some shit for that, but you cannot deny that their home games feel huge. Their crowds are huge. The place looks sweet. Their team is sweet. Tatis, Manny, they're just, that place looks, that place, every time I watch it, it feels like a playoff game. Like, it's just sick. And they just got Scherzer. (laughs) It does have, I I don't want to say quite like SEC vibes, but it has an edge to it, does it not? Like, you people are on their seats, they're on their fucking edge. Especially when it's like, oh, San Diego, nobody cares about anything there. It's like, well, they're locked in on this baseball game partying. Well, didn't Dean basically preach that to us forever? Like, they don't care about sports down here, that I'm watching their team. Now, granted, they are pretty cool. Like, they got a really cool team. I mean, they have probably him or Shohei, the most coolest player in the league. But god damn that place I mean, is rocking. Like it make you what? I think Shohei is the coolest. I got a clear number one for Shohei. But Tatis is I mean, he was He's last awesome. year. I'm just saying, He's I got right there. if I I would I can I would pick one. I wouldn't tie them for me. I that's fair. I, I saw Shohei stole a base the other day. And uh I've matured because I was gonna tweet like no way babe's fat ass could have done this. And I was like, you know, someone would be triggered that being fat. It's like, oh, I'm fat too. So it's like, I didn't even want to argue with people. But uh, I, no, I mean, five years ago, that would have been rattled off. But I, I do believe it. Like, no way did Babe steal a base. I show he didn't just steal a base guy. By the time the ball got there, like he was already coming up. Like he hauls ass. He's so. I mean, he is so fucking smooth, huge. man. He's so smooth. I the my one pushback is when you see Tatis. Hits bombs, they fly. I mean, he's awesome. Hits bombs he's too. Awesome. I'm, I'm, and his games matter. Like I'm the just one saying, the one Shohei. Shohei's a. One I'm not of trying a kind. to diminish him. Yeah. At all, it's the greatest season in the history of my life for a baseball player. Given what he's doing on both sides, he, it does suck that his games mean nothing. Sucks. 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 I saw somebody tweet like the other day a photo of him. It's like, damn, I wish I'd researched who the good baseball teams were before I signed. <laughs> but he, but he knew that. I kind of right. I know. I know. Padres are, they're just, uh, you're right. I mean, it's, this is why we, you and I talked about this a month ago. Like that, this is what Justin Herbert should be getting. Justin Herbert. Can I, on just sweet players. Yeah. We talked about this yesterday, but the Cowboys Instagram. Yeah. If you're just going to, or I mean, uh, Cowboys Twitter. If you were just going to base Twitter highlights off a potential season, you could convince me CD Lamb's going to have 175 catches and 27 touchdowns. Because every highlight I see of him, I go, is this guy the best player in the league? Did he just do he something He just did. Again? Michael Gelkin yeah. just tweeted it out. He caught this ball that he didn't even see. Now, granted, again, they're, in, they're not even wearing really pads. I guess they don't have lowers on. Well, they do. None of these guys have knee pads on. And he just, like, jukes 17 guys on the field. Now, their defense, historically poor last year, but... You can't just any highlight I see of CD Lamb. I feel pretty confident about this. In five years, once we have a ton of data, I think we'll go. CD Lamb probably should have gone like third in that draft. I think that I think there's a chance like that's a conversation, right? If it's like Herbert and Burrow like hit, we'll just be like, yeah, I think he went way too low. And there's those other wide receivers. Ayuk, Rugs could resurrect his career. Rager could be solid. Jefferson could keep dominating. It feels like this cat has a chance to be a different fucking animal. Let's, uh, he's like a little smaller Julio, but with he's a little more elusive. I mean, he just... If you tell me at one point in time in his career, we go, yeah, it's the best wide receiver in the league. I think that's very possible. Let's take a look here, John. Oops. It's a little like Antonio when A.B. showed up with the Raiders before in OTAs, when he actually practiced, before he burned off his feet. 
I remember them tweeting out something, and he caught this ball over the middle, and he did circles around like seven guys. You're like, oh, yeah, this is just not going to be fair. All right, here we go. Is this the one you're talking about? No, I'm talking about one 14 minutes ago. This one? Yeah. Wait, what just happened? Well, Where'd the ball come from? I, you don't even know. Whoa! You could hear, is that a defensive person that yells like, there it is! You just, I, I'm going to play this guy a lot on DraftKings this year. I know that. I, I had him last year. I can tell you it was, um, it was a good, it was good. It was good. But um, here we go. Ramon on YouTube. Griffey is, uh, Tatis is the modern day Griffey. Baller with a natural swag and fun who didn't want to be Griffey as a kid. Yeah. No. Uh, Everybody. I'm a diehard Giants fan, but I'd rather watch a Padres game than a Dodgers game. Pet- Petco is a nice park. I've never been to Petco, but it, I mean, it just looks like an awesome time. Never have either. I actually think Dodger games feel a little old. Really? I always get that vibe. Like when you watch a Dodger game. Even good one. It's just maybe it's the sounds that come that they play there. It's just very old school, bump, which bump, is bump, cool for. Bump, bump. You're talking like you get an organ. Yeah, I, I feel there's a lot of that. Like you go to a Giants game, the Padres feel like it's 2050. Padres <laughs> like feel they, like a they top feel, golf. Yeah, they, they, they feel they're the op- Dodgers. Feels very. It's weird because their stadium's massive, right? Isn't one of the you've been to Fenway? Isn't Fenway and Wrigley like thirty five thousand people? They're not that big. Yeah, but so it feels like when you're in it, it feels kind of older. I bet the Padres crowd is just kind of younger, right? It's like a downtown. What's it called? The Gas Lamp District. Yeah, just a party. I, so it just again, looks like, like a good I, time. Dodger crowd might be younger too. It's it's you're right. It's the org. It's the music they play. Just, I don't know if the Dodger very crowd Vince is younger. Scully. Me, yeah, it might not. Well, there's a lot. Isn't it the biggest? You know, one of the biggest stadiums in the league. John, did you see this uh, tweet? Randall Cobb on how it feels to be back on the Packers. Did you see this quote? No. Uh, I can breathe again. I've seen the other side. His teammates told him he's acting like he's just out of prison. He said he didn't mean to rip the Texans. Green Bay's like a Fortune 500 company and Houston's like a startup. It's interesting because that's not exactly what Rodgers you know, it wasn't exactly Rodgers' message yesterday. Like, Randall Cobb just came back to the Packers and was like, <gasps> we have it so good here. And Aaron's well, like... He's coming, from, he's coming from the Houston He is Texans. coming from the Texans, but it's just <laughs> he's kind of caught in the middle where, like, he's Aaron's guy, but the Packers did sign him. He can't act like... Randall can't walk back in and be like, I play for the fans and the manager... Uh, my, my city. Like, he just came back and said the Packers organization is a legit organization. You're right. Did play for yeah. the Texans. I, but I, I Rodgers admitted, too, that he wanted to retire as a Packer. Like, he knows how good he has it. I, I think part of anything, I mean, you could live in a mansion and fucking talk shit about the place, right? I mean, uh, once yeah. you're in a place somewhere for a long period of time. Can you imagine getting the phone call from Aaron? Like, I've con- they're going to come get you. You're like, are you serious? <laughs> well, the Texans are paying him $3 are million dollars this year still. Are you serious? One thing I think is a little crazy How'd you convince them? Like, why? What? What? What incentive for the Texans to like just get rid of them? I, that's maybe just, just blow it up, get a locker room lawyer, like an older guy. That's not maybe he's just not. Is he that? Good? I mean, he's been hurt. Is he that good of a player? Yeah. Well, Aaron thinks he's like uh, Jerry Rice. <laughs> well, I mean, that's where if you're Gutekunst, you're like, all right, this was the guy Aaron wanted. Let's see what he's got. Well, I know he told everyone that. Well, okay. Well, Aaron, you better you better be open, Aaron. If you're throwing to Valdez Scantling and you got Randall. Not getting any targets. Can't blame anybody else for that. Well, I think they drafted Amari Rogers, 
who uh, was going to be their slot wide receiver. That's what, they, and then obviously Aaron, which was a very Brady thing, right? In fairness, like I don't, I don't have time to deal with a rookie. But last year you were mad they didn't draft a rookie wide receiver, right. so it's like you can play it. You can keep moving the goalposts, which I think just get moved a lot in these situations. But no one is going to give a shit if they just keep winning, no. right? It's all be kind of fluff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Devonte said he's not going to resign to the discount if Aaron's back. Duh. Zach Wilson signed, so we only missed a day. JJ, you asked me today, like, do you think JJ's going to be good? Tweak the hammy and conditioning drills. He's tight. Not ideal. Um, Dak, shoulder injury. It's minor, John. Just can't throw, but he can do everything else. Just throwing this. Henry Ruggs gained 13 pounds. It was always the argument, like, in a in a draft meeting, or even we had these, I remember Pat Hill, like, if a wide receiver had questionable hands, it's like, hey, guys, he plays fucking wide receiver. Like, the people that were very adamant, like, they don't mess with it. And it probably is a good philosophy. Like, unless you have unless plus you pass hands, on DK. Probably, we probably shouldn't mess with you. Then you get right? DK. Okay. DK is the reason you go back the other way. Like, nah, well. But I think DK's proven to actually have better hands than, you know, people thought. That's what I mean. But it's like, you can get away with it with, like, Terrell Owens or Vernon Davis. You better be like, that was a knock on Julio. Like, you know, it doesn't have... Like, Amari's a test case, right? Like, he's kind of hit or miss, but you see him make these, like, one-handed catches, but then he'll drop. Yeah. So it's like, is it, is it you know, concentration? I don't know. I, I'm always fascinated by a wide receiver. Sometimes it's just, I don't know, it's hard to catch some of these balls, right? It's not, like, an easy thing to do. Like, Ruggs is a guy, like, if he's put on 13 pounds and he still runs that fast, like, he's going to be a problem. Yeah, well, it, it's the amount of catches you're allowed, the amount of drops you're allowed to have is directly related to the number of catches you have. Right. Yeah. And touchdowns you yeah. create. So you throw you throw a lot of picks, but you throw a lot of touchdowns. No different. Um, like Michael Tom Michael Thomas never drops the ball. That's his big thing. And like he's he clearly did the shack. Right. Right. Because Sean and Payton. You, not you do you? I think you do a shack. Was doing the shack a decade into his career. I mean, this guy's like twenty five years old. Is that kind of like? Does it feel like he hates Sean? Payton? Yes. And it feels like Sean Payton hates him. But you're stuck. Not great for his career that Breeze is gone. Probably. No. Right? I'd, I would say it's not great for his career. Just, I would think his stock is really down in the league. Like you do things like this. Now, he's such a good player. If he got healthy, everyone's messing with him. He's just too good. But it's not. You start creating this, I don't know, narrative about yourself, which is clear. Like, last year was on him. Now, this year, it's basically a fuck you to the team where you just could have saved yourself a couple months, like, and been ready for week one, which, but, but I also kind of lean, you know, it's like, I get the summer, you know, like I want to go boating. Yeah, I want to do what, my things. What, what do you, I saw, you want to be on crutches? Yeah. But do you want to be a great football player? Or, you know, just have a well-rounded life. Yeah. You know, Tom Brady goes to a wedding in Barbados. He's up at 8 AM, 6 AM doing workouts while everyone else is recovering from, uh, you know, a long night in the hangover. Did you get any hikes in it in Montana? I had some. In- I intended to do some hikes, and then I didn't do any hikes. Yeah. I mean, grizzlies and stuff. You got to watch out. Well, it was just you know, yeah, we'll go here and then we'll try this, and then whatever yeah. didn't work out. But that's okay. I was going to bed very late. Blackout curtains are not good for productivity either. So, all right, um, mailbag coming up. In a couple of days, three o'clock Sunday, 
big announcement for the show. We're very excited about it. A brand is jumping on board with us that we think is fantastic. We love it. We can't wait to tell you all about it on, on Sunday at 3. The Maserati Partnership. No. All right. Uh, get your mailbag questions in. Check out the Facebook page. Check out the YouTube if you're on that. Check out the podcast. Uh, yeah, if you're on the tube, share it with everybody. We definitely appreciate that. And we're off and running, man. Football season camp is here. We'll be going to Niner practices next week, maybe even this weekend. So uh, it's on. It is on. Go Tigers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.